And all the time. That's amen. That's right. God is good all the time. Church, sometimes we don't know when we're going to be faced with adversity as a body. Sometimes we don't know when we're going to have to stand in the gap for someone that we love. Today, God showed us that opportunity. And I praise you, and I'm sure God and the angels are rejoicing this morning because you so vigilantly took a stand for the gospel. But today, and I think it's kind of, I say this every Sunday, but it's kind of funny how everything just falls into place about preparation and persistence and having confidence and being victorious in Jesus. Because today we're going to talk about having a warrior mindset and preparing for battle. The heart is the true seat of everything that you and I really are. Let me repeat that. The heart is the true seat of everything that you and I really are. Where your heart is, is where you really are. I'll repeat that for you. Where your heart is, is where you really are. We have not been called out to be weak, feeble followers of Christ. Rather, we have been called out as intercessors, gap standers, warriors, conquerors, defenders of the truth, and heavenly patriots. Paul constantly related our daily Christian walk to an ongoing struggle and battleground. Let me repeat that. Paul constantly related our daily walk, Christian walk, to an ongoing struggle and battleground. We, church, need to arrive at the place in our lives where we begin to understand that as believers in Jesus Christ, the enemy will be constantly attempting to wage war against us. We've seen proof of that just today. He desires to bring us down, to destroy our faith and confidence, to shatter our hopes and dreams. Ultimately, He desires to defeat us completely. Judas betrayed his Lord. And the conviction was so heavy upon him. And the weight of his sin being spoken into his mind, into his ear by the devil, caused him to defeat himself. Judas, if you don't know, hung himself. The devil, again, desires to defeat us completely. This is where the heart of a warrior comes into play. If you, if your innermost man, your heart is set on being a warrior. If you are a warrior at heart, you will be prepared for whatever may come your way. You will live every day ready for what the devil has in store. King David, a veteran of many foreign wars. He was a conqueror. He was a defender, a true patriot. 
He was also a veteran of many spiritual wars and was primed in the art of engaging the enemy with the sole purpose of victory. Those of you who have been in the military or have know someone who was in the military, when we prepared for battle, we didn't prepare to go be a buffer. We prepared to go win the battle. The good thing for us as Christians, we know the war has already been won, but we know the battle still wages against us. And the, the reason why God says, you still have work to do, warrior, is because there are still people who don't know him. You may say, Brother Brian, I've been called to be a mechanic. Why has God called me to be a mechanic? Maybe because somebody in that shop that you work with on a daily basis or a customer that comes in and out doesn't know Christ. And you are the one to intercede and to show them who Jesus is. And it may only be for one person. You may work at a job for 30, 35 years and only come in contact with one. But you know what? Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. Psalms 27, we're going to read the whole thing. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 27, yes, 1 through 14. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make a melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not. O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. 
Church, I believe we could read that aloud every day and not have to worry about anything plaguing our house or our minds. Having himself been involved in such a vast number of physical and spiritual struggles and battles, David is more qualified to instruct us in waging successful spiritual warfare and in the process developing the heart of a warrior. Number one is to focus on God. Focus on God. Verses 1 through 3, David begins with a strong declaration. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I be afraid? Max Licato, if you don't know him, he's a, a, a famed Christian author. Um, tells some really, got some really good um, analogies of Scripture on how to apply them so that we can be prepared as Christians for war. He tells a story of a parakeet named Chippy. Now, I promise, Brother Carlo, this was not going to make you cry that much like the last one. I almost didn't make it through the last one either. But this parakeet named Chippy uh, was having a very bad day. It began when the bird's owner decided to clean his cage with a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) Yeah, all starting to go that way now, huh? Yeah, you see where this is going. She was almost finished when the phone rang, so she turned around to answer it. Before she knew it, Chippy was gone. Now, you know parakeets, they're not very big birds. Okay. In a panic, she ripped open the vacuum bag, and there was Chippy, covered in dirt and gasping for air. She carried him into the bathroom and rinsed him off under the faucet. Then, realizing that Chippy was cold and wet, she reached for her hair dryer. <laughs> Chippy never knew what hit him. <laughs> we <laughs> His owner was asked a few days later how, she was, how Chippy was recovering. She said, well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that, church? <laughs> like you've been sucked up in a vacuum, drowned under a faucet, and then dried off with hot air. I'd sit and stare, too. <laughs> One minute you're whistling through life and the next you're caught up in a whirlwind of stress. Life sucks you up into its vortex and just when you think you've recovered from one trouble, another wind of adversity blows in your direction. Don't be like Chippy the parakeet. (laughs) I I had to write this out. I would have forgot everything. Don't let the song go out of your life. David did not let fear take the song out of his life, and neither should we. For the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So, is it possible only, is it possible to keep the song in our life? Is it possible not to let fear remove our song? It's only possible... When we focus on who God is. Some things were said this morning about our identity in Christ. Some of that you need to think about. So it is only possible when we focus on who God is, 
how great He is and what He means to us. He is our light. He is our salvation. And because of Him, we are no longer living in the darkness of sin. No enemy can take God's salvation from us. David says, verses 2 and 3, When evildoers come against me to devour my flesh, my foes, and my enemies stumble and fell. Though an army deploy against me, my heart is not afraid. Though war break out against me, still I am confident. Spiritual warfare requires confidence. Confidence not in our own strength and abilities, but in God and His strength and abilities and His power. We can't do anything absent from the authority of God. Let me repeat that. And let me add to it. We can't do anything worthy of the kingdom of God absent from the authority of God. The enemy uses psychological warfare against us. He knows that if he and his demons can, be, can, can, can get believers to fear, they have gone a long way in winning a spiritual battle. David, the veteran warrior for God, knew the secret to winning the fear game. Focus completely on God. Number two, practice consistent fellowship with God. Verse four, David says, I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. Let me break that down for you, church. He desires to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. That means he desires to follow God every day of his life. Gazing on the beauty of the Lord. That means seeking his face. Looking at the miracles that he's done. And the miracles that he's going to do. And then fellowshipping with his believers. In the temple. Or in Manchac Baptist Church. When David says all the days of my life, he is talking about the constant communion with God. Jesus says, take of my body and take of my blood. That is our communion. That is what we observe. We take of his body and his blood. We are always in communion with God. He is not talking about coming to God only when we are in trouble. Guilty as charged. The heart is the true seat of everything that you and I really are. Where your heart is, is where you really are. I'm going to repeat that a few times. David puts it in this way in verse 5. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent and he will set me high upon a rock. Why did David assume, uh, why did did David have assurance in times of trouble? Because before trouble ever got to him, he had been dwelling in God's house all the days of his life. 
God will prepare us. As we dwell with Him, as we take communion with Him daily, He will prepare us for adversity. One of the greatest mistakes we can make in spiritual warfare is to wait to train for battle in the midst of battle. All of a sudden the battle has come and now we're going to all of a sudden want to train for it. Do you think we're going to be successful? Absolutely not. Train before the battle ever begins. As David mentions over and again, the greatest place to train for battle is in God's house. If God is the winner of the war, He is the one that's been successful because of His glory, then who else better to learn from? Verse 6 and 7. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in His tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. David made it a consistent practice of his life to attend worship in God's house. Folks, that doesn't mean you feel a push from the Holy Spirit to worship God on Tuesday, knowing that we don't have a service on Tuesday, that you can't turn your radio on and get your Jesus on, for lack of better words. David was an excellent warrior for God because he was faithful to the house of God. God's children these days are forever fighting this battle. Why do you think we see a lack of young people in church? It's because we are not training them to be in communion with God, for one, and to be in fellowship with his believers in his house. Verses 8 through 10. In your behalf, my heart says, seek my face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. I lost my dad. December, excuse me, November 23rd, 2008 to cancer. I had only known my dad for 12 years. He had abandoned me the first part of my life, the first 22 years of it. But the Lord cares for me. When David cried out to God, God answered him. What was God's answer? Seek my face. To which David immediately replied, Thy face, Lord, I will seek. When adversity slaps you in the face, when you get sucked up in that vacuum vortex like poor Chippy, are you looking at God saying, Lord, I'm trying to seek your face. Or are you just letting it throw you around in the dirt, suffocating? What are you seeking today? Comfort, riches, 
popularity. God never asks us to seek any such things. He asks us to seek His face, seek intimacy with Him. The only way you can be intimate with God is to get alone with God. Sometimes we talk too much. God, these are all my problems. These are all my issues. These are all my needs, Lord. And by the time you know it, it's been an hour and a half and God hasn't been able to get a word in. God desires closeness. He desires a personal, intimate closeness. Don't think that there are six billion people in this world that God can't spend time with you personally. Even when others, including close family, reject you, God desires you. Listen to that word. He desires you. I'm going to joke a little bit here, not trying to take away from God, but you know, it's king cake season. And Navarre's Bakery is just a mile from my house. And I desire that king cake. Mm, I can't wait to get my hands on that piece of that king cake. As a matter of fact, I went out to eat the other night at a burger joint in Hammond and had a king cake burger. That's how much I love king cake. The Black and Brew, downtown Hammond, king cake burger all month. (laughs) I'm not getting paid for that, by the way. It's a really good burger. But anyway, but I desired for that. I wanted that. Has there ever been something in your life that you wanted so much that you would have done anything to get it? Those king cakes are about $15. And I had $14.99 in my checking account. And I said, will it be okay if I go one penny in the red? Yep. (laughs) I was going to do anything for that king cake. That's a joke, by the way. That's a joke. But that's 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 an analogy on how much you desire something in your life. You all desired something so much that you wanted it. You would do anything for it. Even when others, including close family and friends, reject you, God desires you. The key to victory in spiritual battle is consistent communion. Married couples, how can they stand against anything that attacks their marriage if they don't communicate? Do you walk with God face to face? Or is your relationship with God on and off? Eh, eh, eh. Strive for consistency. Make worship a priority. Do you have to sing praise songs to worship God? No. Can you go in prayer and just speak about God and how wonderful He is. God, I have approached Your throne as humble as I can. You are the mighty Creator, my Creator, the Creator of the universe. You sit high upon Your throne of glory. You are majestic. You are bigger than every problem that I have. That, my friends, is worship.
The defining step of a true warrior is learning to live an upright life. Verse 11. Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Listen to what David says. Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Because you know, just as well as I know, as we try to take on our adversaries by ourselves, our path is going to get bumpy. As Christians, our desire must be a straight path. Are we going to be perfect? No, church. Very little is said today about the value of morality, of, of a morally good life. Very little. It is not politically correct to even say that one way of life is good and another is not. That one action is moral and another is not. Political correctness is, is killing the church nowadays. Pastors want to get in the pulpit and say, well, it's not politically correct for me to say that, but the Bible says it. So if the Bible is the living Word of God and is saying it to you, why can't you say it to everyone else, O follower of Christ? Traditional values in society have been torn down in the name of fairness and tolerance. My daughter was in a spelling bee yesterday. She got to number 11. She was the 11th, uh, the top 11. She was the last one to get out while they had 11 left in the sixth round. We left. They handed her a Raising Cane's cup and a free kid's dinner with a participation medal. I got issues with that, church. And so does she. Because I teach her to be in communion with God. Not that she should have said, oh, she wasn't rude and, and threw it back in their face. You know, we accepted it. Thank you very much. But political correctness because they didn't want to hurt her feelings. Let me tell you that again. Political correctness because they did not want to hurt her feelings. If we do not preach the gospel as it is written from the book out of God's own mouth, then we are going to hurt someone's feelings all the way to hell. We can preach a sugar-coated gospel and hold their hand and walk them right through the gates of hell. I, and I hope you, don't want to be that person. This has also led to weakness in the spiritual warfare. The enemy tries to persuade us, to persuade our values and our outdated or that are outdated or intolerant. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be that harsh on them because they're going to cry. You shouldn't, you shouldn't tell them about hell because it's going to offend them. You shouldn't speak against their sin because they won't come to your church anymore. Those are whispers from the evil one. What we ought to be doing is telling them everything that the gospel says so that when they say, I'm not coming back, they go home and God convicts them to the point of no return and they come back up here, get on their knees and give their life to God. Verse 12, do not give me over to the will of my foes for false witnesses rise up against me. 
breathing violence. When you live in a morally upright life, people will be cruel to you. They will falsely accuse you of being holier than thou. Well, my holier than thou aspect is going to sit me right up there under the seat of God. And I'm going to look at him every day and I'm going to worship him in his beauty and his glory. And I'll never have to worry about sickness and I'll never have to worry about pain and I'll never have to worry about darkness again. And I will live forever. (laughs) Trust in the Lord for patience and protection. Verse 13, and I'm almost done, church. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. God is a good and loving God that will reveal to you his goodness in your time of need. There is a good and right way to live, and there is a wrong way to live. Moral relative uh, list may attempt to erase the lines, but we all know there's a difference between right and wrong. And if you don't know what right and wrong is, pick up the book and read it. Verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be courageous and let your heart be strong. Wait for the Lord. The only way we can overcome society's impulses to compromise us is to follow David's counsel here in verse 14. Be courageous and let your heart be strong and wait for the Lord. We must look, at, look to the Lord, not to society around us for our guidelines on what is right, for our guidelines on what is right and wrong. If we wait to see which way the moral winds are blowing, we will be lost at sea. If we wait to see how society tells us we ought to live a moral life, we will be lost at sea. Ladies and gentlemen, the devil walks this earth. I probably don't need to say much more than that, but I will. The devil has affected society. He has affected opinion. He has tricked. He has lied and he has stolen your morals. And this is the only thing that he cannot destroy. This is the only thing that we can grab and read and let God speak to us. Turn the TV off for a few minutes. See what God... Question everything. Align it to Scripture. If it doesn't align to Scripture, it is wrong. Do you have that warrior's heart? Are you winning life's battles? Consider this advice from a veteran. Make the adjustments the Word of God calls for. And your life will be victorious. Don't leave here today, church, 